and it's amazing. As you get higher, it gets hotter and hotter and hotter. Like you can tell where you are by the levels. But uh, Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Uh, so Jesus, of course, is continuing his journey through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem. And the cross is just looming before him. And while it shares that Jesus was just passing through, I think the reality when it comes to Jesus is Jesus always had a purpose. Every, wherever he went, every conversation, every interaction, he was always looking for that opportunity. Opportunity. And he leveraged it to bring, bring healing and restoration, to, to speak a word of hope and good news to the poor and to the afflicted. And it got me thinking as we go about our day, you know, what, what is our purpose as we go about our day? Are we keeping our eyes and, and our hearts open for, for opportunities to, to interact with people, to engage in their lives, to, to speak that word of encouragement or, or maybe peace? Are we leveraging those conversations that we're having each and every day to, to weave in the gospel, to weave in how God is working in and through not only our lives, but, but maybe in somebody else's life, even though they may not be able to see God at work? You know, in fact, in fact, this, this, this would be the last stop before Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And it's in this moment that he paused. I think the reality when it comes to our lives, maybe we're, we're just too busy to pause. Maybe we're just feeling too, too, too scheduled to, to actually stop and do something. But it's this, this point in Jesus' ministry that man, there's such large crowds following him, gathering around him, and we begin to see and envision the excitement around his entry into Jerusalem, that momentum and excitement that is almost just behind him, flooding through with him into Jerusalem. Yet Jesus pauses once again as something catches his eye. Rather, someone catches his eye, a man by the name of Zacchaeus, who, as we read in our story, was very rich but vertically challenged. I think that's how we're supposed to say that now. While it shares that Jesus was, was, that Zacchaeus was short in stature, perhaps it wasn't just his physical sense. Maybe, maybe there's a side to him that, that spiritually or emotionally he was, he was feeling low. Maybe there was a void. Maybe he was feeling this, this sense of isolation, of being rejected. Maybe he felt unseen by those around him. And maybe you're feeling looked down upon by others right now. Maybe you're having that same sense of you're feeling weighted down because of what you're carrying and, and you feel bogged down in your stature by the pressures of life. You see, no matter your position in life, whether you're on the height of your career right now or maybe you find yourself barely making Zen's meet, here's the deal and here's what this text says. Jesus meets you where you are. Whatever you're wrestling with, he wants to take up residence in your life. In fact, let's look, up, look, look at what happens next here. So not wanting to be blocked in by the crowd, much like the kid standing behind an adult on a parade route, right? What he decides to do is Zacchaeus decides to run along ahead, climb a sycamore tree for a better view. And perhaps he would witness one of those miracles that Jesus would do of how he would bring healing and transform somebody's life. Or maybe he started thinking, well, what if, what if Jesus talks to me? What if he speaks a word of transformation in, into what I'm experiencing? Here's the deal. We never know what's going on in somebody else's heart. We never know what God is already doing and how he's already working in them and with them. And, and, and maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you're searching. Maybe you're wondering, well, how is Jesus going to work in, in my life today or, or in the life of my family? Because I see them struggling. I see them, them hurting, and I would love to watch God move in their lives. 
And just like Zacchaeus, my question is, how are we seeking Jesus? How are we running? How are we stretching in order to grow deeper in our faith? Are, are we seeking after him with all our heart? I mean, are we spending time in prayer, reading, studying God's word, or uh, spending quiet time? Maybe, maybe that's what we need to do. Or acts of service, maybe that's what we see Jesus in our lives. It, but it did, but did you notice how, how Zacchaeus approaches Jesus in this moment? First of all, he approached with a spirit of curiosity and wonder. Well, well, who is this Jesus? What's this Jesus guy all about? And maybe that's where you are today. Maybe, maybe you're worshiping with us online this morning. You're just, you just stumbled across this message and you're just checking things out. You're not quite sure what this whole faith thing is all about. And if that's where you are this morning, if you're here with just a, a curiosity and wondering what Jesus and who this Jesus is, we'd love to connect with you. So please reach out. But, but sometimes I think we fail to approach Jesus with that spirit of curiosity. We fail to approach him with that childlike faith, that, that sense of wonder. I mean, many of us have been doing this, this faith thing for a long time, and, and maybe we've, we've lost that energy, we've lost that passion of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to understand what he has done for us and for the world on the cross. And, and so with this sense of curiosity and, and wonder, there's also a sense of hopeful anticipation. Well, what will Jesus do? How will he show up in my life today? And maybe you've lost sight of that hopeful anticipation of what God is going to do in your life right now or later on this afternoon or this week. What is that plan that he has for you, how will he show up, not only in our lives, but the lives of those around us? Are we keeping our eyes and our ears and our hearts open? The, the next way that Zacchaeus approached Jesus was in a sense of, of humility. You, you see, at this time, only children ran and climbed trees. That, that's why this story and the story of the prodigal son are so significant, because grown men in biblical times, they, they don't run. I've been trying to tell my wife this for years, that that. Men don't run according to scripture. And she points out these two texts and I'm like, really? Makes no sense. But I don't know about you, but, but I, I can just imagine, right? That this guy in long flowing robes, he's probably got jewelry on and, and he is just trying to climb up this tree. He's pulling himself up. You, you see, he humbled himself to get close to Jesus. He, he stripped it all away and he said, I, I gotta see who this Jesus is. And where do we need to foster that sense of humility in our lives, in our walk of faith? Perhaps we've kind of rested back a little bit when it comes to this thing called faith. Maybe we stopped asking God for directions and thought to ourselves, you know, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to get through it as we go about our day. Or, or maybe you've even shut down your mind today because you think, you know, I know the story of Zacchaeus. I've heard it hundreds of times. But what would it mean to open up our hearts and our ears and our minds to approach with a sense of humility and ask, okay, Lord, what do you want me to hear today? What do I need to hear from this text for today? Ask God to open your heart. Ask God to open your mind to, to where and how he's moving. So Zacchaeus approached with a spirit of curiosity and wonder, a spirit of hopeful anticipation, a spirit of humility, but he also approaches Jesus with boldness. He, he didn't care what the other people around him thought. He, he didn't allow what, what they were thinking about him to hinder the, this moment, this, this connection with Christ. But isn't that where we get hung up sometimes? 
We're so concerned about what others think about us. You know, do they like my outfit? How did my hair look today? Uh, did, did, did I say the right thing? Did, did I respond the right way? Maybe some of you are even thinking that as, as, at worship right now. I know I'm worried about my hair because I didn't check it before I got up here. Focused on the wrong thing. Zacchaeus didn't allow the thoughts of others to keep him from the one thing, from the one person who could transform and change his life. And sadly, this mentality of, of bending to the perception of others not only gets in the way of, of our walk of faith, but also our sense of purpose, as well as our sense of, of peace. And as a result, we're not fed, we're not filled, we're not nourished, and we fail to res be restored. It's like if some social media influencer got up, they told you that not to eat fruits and vegetables, that for some reason you should, you should boycott fruits and vegetables, and so you follow along because, because you've given weight to that voice, right? You've given weight to that crowd. And all of a sudden, what you've done is you've taken away what you need to grow and to be healthy and to be strong. You've taken away those necessary vitamins and minerals, and those are removed from your diet, yet here's the deal. They, 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 they convince you, right, that, that this is what you need to do, but the only person that's truly being hurt is not them, it's you. And are we removing the one thing that can truly transform our lives and bring about a change and restore us and heal us, or are we listening more to the crowd? Here's the deal. Don't allow the voices or the crowd to influence you so much. That is except for when your pastor says it's time for the tithes, gifts, and offerings. Listen to that voice. If you could do that, that'd be, that'd be perfect. But only if it aligns with Scripture. Let's, let's clarify that. Church, don't allow the worry of what people may think to carry so much weight in your walk with God. And I want to say that one more time. Don't allow the worry of what people may think to carry so much weight when it comes to your walk with God. Take this text from Galatians chapter 1, verse 10 uh, to heart. Paul shares these words. Am I seeking human approval or God's approval? Am I trying to please people? If I were still pleasing people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you, I want you to weigh that word. I want you to, to reflect on, on that word of God this week and ask yourself that question whenever you find yourself being drawn for, by the crowd further away from your walk with Christ. Don't allow the crowd to get in the way of being fed and filled and nourished by Jesus. Let them criticize. Let them make fun. Let them exclude you. Don't have them keep you from being what you need to do and where you need to be. You know, the question I asked last week, at, at what point do we become desperate enough that we don't care what other people think when it comes to our walk with Jesus, right? And, and I'm just going to use an analogy which I think we're all going to understand. We're all going to get, okay? Think about it this way, because we've all been there. We're traveling down a highway. The gas station hot dog and sushi that you had for lunch just several miles back just starts hitting you wrong, okay? To the point where your stomach starts gurgling. You start sweating a little bit. Right, and, and you, you, you realize that you're on borrowed time. Don't show your hand, we've all been there, okay? In that moment, do you care what the closest facility looks like? Do you care what the people around you are thinking? No, that is the furthest thing from your mind. Church, when it comes to seeking Jesus, stop holding in your stuff, worrying about what other people think, right? 
God, God wants to give you relief. I, I don't know if that's the best way to put that in this terms, but we understand, right? We get it. Maybe right now you're listening to the voice of the crowd and, and they're being the loudest in your life. Don't, don't let them take you away from, from that relationship with Jesus. Don't allow them to get in the way of, of what you need to do in terms of your walk and your journey of faith. Scripturally, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25 puts it this way. The fear of others lays a snare, but the one who trusts in the Lord is secure. And once again, I want you to take that text. I want you to put that into your mind. The fear of others lays a snare, and oftentimes many of us are getting tripped up because we're trying to please people all the time, and it's a no-win situation, but the one who trusts in the Lord will be secure. So, so here's Zacchaeus up in the tree trying to catch a glimpse of Jesus, right? And, it, and it's here in this moment that, that Jesus notices Zacchaeus, turns his eyes towards him, invites Zacchaeus to come down. And, and tell you what, I, I, there's been so many times that, that I've wanted to live in a treehouse. I think it'd be so cool. I even spent some time designing my own treehouse, trying to figure it out. But the downside of living in a treehouse, there comes a point when you realize that you've got to come down. See, Jesus doesn't want you to stay up in a treehouse, disconnected, separated from, from life, separated from others. We are meant to be in community together, growing together, nurturing each other, caring for each other in faith. He wants to meet with you wherever you are. So whatever that roadblock might be, whatever, whatever that, that tree you might have been climbing, listen to the voice of Jesus. Come down and make that connection. See, what I love about this moment is that it reminds me that Jesus sees us and knows each of us by name. He knows your story. Isaiah 43, verse 1b, the second part of that says, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. He reminds in Scripture that all the hairs of your head are counted. For some of us, it's a countdown, but they're still numbered, okay? We're there. Yet Jesus does something interesting. He doesn't enter into a conversation about healing or, or forgiveness of sins. But, but what he does in this moment, he invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house. Now, I don't know about you, but my mom taught me that it was rude to invite yourself over to someone's house. But right before our very eyes, we see Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 come, to, come into focus. That we heard in the children's message says, listen, I'm standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. And church, this is a wonderful image. But, but maybe there's a part of us that feels a bit uneasy when we read something like that. Like, like what is Jesus going to do? What is he going to ask me to change? In fact, let me ask you, how, how would you describe your living space right now? If, if I were to say to you, you know what, I haven't seen you for a while. I'm just going to come over this afternoon right after worship. How many of you would panic for, with me just saying that? Certainly all the stuff would just rush into your minds of, okay, what needs to be done, what needs to be cleaned up, uh, the things you've let slide or neglected completely. And what type of cleaning would you have to do? Would you just do a kind of a surface level? You chuck everything to the closets upstairs so the main level looks great, so it looks like you have your life together, something like that. How about those little dust webs that go unnoticed in the corners or, or the vents of your air exchange system? How many of you are thinking of those right now? And you're going to go home after this, you're going to look at those and be like, wow. I neglected that part. But what about our spiritual houses? What about our spiritual houses? What have we neglected there? 
You know, one of my favorite songs when it comes to, uh, to this uh, thought of Jesus coming over uh, is from uh, a gospel group by the Jackson Southern Airs. And, and the t- song title is, What Would Happen If He Came Today? And, and it goes like this. It says, if Jesus should knock on your door today, what would you do? What would you say? Could you say, Lord, come right in, or would you have to clear the way? What would happen if he came today, right? That's the question. What would happen if he came today? And perhaps there's a little bit of hesitation. While we may say that Jesus has an open invitation in my heart, there, maybe there's places we deemed off limits. Are, are there things that we've let slide when it comes to our, our walk of faith? Maybe some bad habits that we picked up and, and some good habits that we placed down. Church, if we can't be open with Jesus, then who? Don't close yourself off to that relationship. Now notice there are four responses to this invitation that we have today. The first is the response of of Zacchaeus. So he hurried down and is happy to welcome him. Yet yet Zacchaeus not only opened his home, but but he also opened his heart. Look at what he said in in, in verse 8 of our text for today. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Basically what Zacchaeus is doing here is he's acknowledging, Yes, I hurt people. Yeah, I admit that I ruined people's life and I was a cause of their losses. And he took what was prescribed by the law in terms of restitution and he carried it out to the fullest, even more than what he should have done. He owned it, he claimed it. You see, his new identity in Jesus not only was something that he talked about, it was a change in the way he acted. It came with a change of heart as well as a change of behavior. There wasn't just this vertical response of saying, okay, Lord, I I give my life to you, but there was this horizontal action of, okay, all that I have, all that I am, I give to you. James chapter 2, verse 14 and following shares this type of vocal and uh, word and action deeds. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have, you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked, lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what good is that? So, so faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. So, it, so what Zacchaeus is saying here is he's saying, Lord, you are the Savior of my life, and, and I give my life to you. And I'm going to respond with all that I have, all that I am. He didn't give a a laundry list of excuses. He didn't say wait. He didn't hesitate. And the question we need to ask ourselves is, how is our expression of Jesus permeating through our lives? Think about it this way. How often have we said something with our lips but failed to follow through with our actions? In fact, I don't know about you, but I I find myself doing this. I'll, I'll I'll lay in bed at night. And there's some conviction on my heart. There, there's something that, that I com- I'm convinced that I'm going to create a change, something that I need to do the next day. I'm, I'm going to spend more time with my family. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going I'm to change this habit or this behavior, right? But then I wake up and what happens? It's the same pattern. And I know I'm not the only one. Maybe as many of you may have gone to bed last night with the same thought in your head. Man, I've got to spend more time with the things that matter most in my life. See, Zacchaeus followed through right then and there. So if there is something on your heart today and it aligns with the Spirit of God, take it and run with it. Don't let that opportunity pass you by to do the right thing when God calls you at that time. 
In fact, I want you to notice how this story of Zacchaeus stands in, in contrast to the story of the rich young ruler. We read it back in, in Luke chapter 18, verse 18, where, where Jesus challenges this young man when he asks, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And after a brief exchange, Jesus said, sell all that you have, distribute the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. But when, the, when he heard this, he became sad, for he was very rich. Jesus looked at him and he said, How hard is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now watch this. Those who heard it said, Then who could be saved? He, he respond, replied, What is impossible for mortals is possible for God. And it's here in this text for today that we have the contrast of another rich man who after encountering Jesus has a change of heart. He recognizes the greater blessing. One man held on so tightly to what he had that he was unable to receive what, what Jesus was offering. And we have the guy before us today, Zacchaeus, who, who was refused to let Jesus go. And he let go of all that he had into his care. See, in this moment, Jesus does the impossible, and it's not about wealth, it's not about riches, it's about the change that takes place in people's hearts. And I wonder, what have we chosen to hold on to? Are we failing to open up our hands wide enough to, to give our burdens, whatever that might be, and cling to Jesus? Is there something that's standing in the way? Maybe it is a time or, or a mentality about work. Maybe, maybe it is finances, whatever that might be. What would it mean to release those things to Jesus? And at this time, ushers, please wait us on our offering as we think about that. Zacchaeus responded in faith, right? Had nothing to do with his wealth. He responded in faith. The second response was from the crowd who, who instead of rejoicing that, that Zacchaeus had a change of heart, did what? Verse 7. It says, all those who, who saw it began to grumble and complain that he, Jesus, was gone to be with the guest of one who is a sinner. And this isn't the first time they said that. But, but there are just those types of people, right, in life. They're just those types of people that, that get more joy out of seeing someone struggle and their, and their failures than their victories. There are those, those people that will grumble and complain and constantly point out the negative, And there will always be rejection and criticism of the crowd. They will always tell you that you're believing the wrong thing no matter where you are. It's like trying to capture an amoeba, right, that, that changes all the time. You can't win. So why not, church, stand on a firm foundation of faith? Now, with that said, they would have been justified in their view of Zacchaeus. The reason he was rich was because he padded his own pockets with, with the people's money at their expense through their taxes. And you know what? He, he, he just, he, the amount that he charged was above what was needed. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, and so it would make sense that he was rich. Now, now what I find ironic is that name Zacchaeus means pure and innocent, and he was nothing but that. He was an outcast. He was an outsider of his own people. Yet the reality is sometimes, church, we can be like that crowd, right? We can be so angry and bitter. We can focus on the negativity of things, and we can, we can point out the negative in a positive in somebody's life. But we need to remember what Jesus has done for us. Romans 3 says this, all sin and fall short of the glory of God. So where our words have become harsh, where we have become critical or negative or condescending, what would it mean to have a change of heart? Which brings us to the third response, that response of Jesus. 
Then Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham for, for the son of man came to seek out and to save the lost. In fact, this statement right here for the son of man came to seek out and save the lost is Jesus' purpose statement and we would be wise to not only memorize it but we would be wise to live it, to allow it to guard and guide our actions as well as our interactions. In fact, what I love most about this change in Zacchaeus is that it serves as a reminder that whatever our past may be, whoever we were, right, when Jesus calls us, we are no longer that same person. And God can bring out a change in someone's life no matter how lost we might be feeling. Which brings us to the final response of our text for today, as well as your homework. I invite you to please read John chapter 6, verse 37 and 40. And, and I want you to reflect on this. We heard the re response of Zacchaeus. We heard the response of the crowd. We, we heard the response of Jesus. The question is, what is our response to this good news gospel message of Jesus Christ? How will I allow this good news to transform my life? And how, how will I allow it to impact my life, but also the lives of others? Let it, let God do a transforming work in you this week. Grab hold of that call because he sees you. He calls you by name and he has come to seek out and to save the lost and allow that word to transform your life. In his name we pray, amen. Ushers.